Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 46 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Acts chapter 18 today and our focus is on overcoming timidity and tent making. So we're a daily 10 minute show where we dig into the truth of God's word one chapter at a time. Welcome to new listeners in British Columbia, Canada, France, Monterey, Salinas, California, two new listeners from there, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Anchorage, Alaska, and San Diego, California. Thank you all for listening. Please check out our website, Bible2021.com. Please share the show with your friends and neighbors. So let's open with an insightful comment from a friend and neighbor, WWH, on our YouTube page about the Paul and Barnabas dispute pod. And he writes, While the argument between Paul and Barnabas itself was not great, the net effect was to double the number of missionary teams planting churches in Asia Minor and Greece, Romans 8.28. It has only just occurred to me, he writes in a later comment, that Paul and Silas obtained their vindication, in other words, they got out of prison, because they were Roman citizens. Barnabas, on the other hand, was not a Roman citizen so far as we know. Perhaps this is a further good that God brought out of the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas in Acts 15. Very true there, WWH. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose, says Romans 8.28. And we see good things coming out of what appears to be a bad argument here. So, Very encouraging truth that God did his work despite the disagreement between these two dear brothers. Today, in the text, we encounter a term you may have heard before, tent maker. As it turns out, Paul was a tent maker, and so were his friends Priscilla and Aquila, two early church leaders. We read this in verses 2 and 3 of Acts 18. He found a Jew named Aquila, native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. So what is a tent maker? Well, exactly what it sounds like. Somebody who sewed, made, and repaired tents, T-E-N-T-S, in a very literal sense. Paul often supported his ministry of church planting and gospel sharing by the honest work of his hands. Today, though, the word tent making refers more often to that practice, working some other job in order to fund and do ministry. There are many, many Christian tent makers out there, including several who listen to this show. Most of the time, they aren't making actual tents or repairing tents, but doing things like painting, moving furniture, pressure washing, computer repair, website design, private detective work, book writing, job coaching, teaching, etc. By the way, I've done tent making work for many years and I've done all of those jobs I've just mentioned as a tent maker, although I wouldn't know literally the first thing about how to make or repair an actual tent of greater importance. Let's go ahead and read our chapter and then talk about how we can and should overcome fear and timidity. Acts chapter 18, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. 
He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. When they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his clothes and told them, Your blood is on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. So he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord along with his whole household, and many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. The Lord said to Paul in a night vision, Don't be afraid, but keep on speaking, and don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you, because I have many people in this city. He stayed there a year and a half, teaching the word of God among them. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack against Paul and brought him to the tribunal. This man, they said, is persuading people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. As Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or of a serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you Jews. But if these are questions about words, names, and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of such things. So he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But none of these things mattered to Gallio. After staying for some time, Paul said farewell to the brothers and sisters and sailed away to Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. He shaved his head at Centria because of a vow he had taken. When they reached Ephesus, he left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and debated with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he declined, but he said farewell and added, I'll come back to you again if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus. On landing at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church, then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he set out, traveling through one place after another in the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was competent in the use of the scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus, although he knew only John's baptism. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. When he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. After he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. So by the time Paul got to Corinth in Macedonia, he'd seen it all. He'd been a victim of innumerable persecutions, attacks, and criticisms. I'm sure it was frustrating and disheartening at times, but Paul kept going. He persevered and saw a great result in his teaching as he kept going forward. We see this in verse 5, where it says, Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. He was devoted to teaching and preaching and testifying about Jesus that he was raised from the dead, the promised Messiah, and the Savior of all men. But in Corinth, Paul encountered difficult opposition, but God himself appeared and encouraged him. The Lord said to Paul in a night vision, Don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed there a year and a half, teaching the word of God among them. Now notice that first line. I'm not saying that Paul was afraid, but 
I will point out that I am often afraid of various things, rarely afraid of public speaking, but I am sad to say that I experience fear in other areas, and some of those areas are really quite silly. I'll bet if you're honest with yourself, you probably have a similar experience. Thus, in the Bible, don't be afraid is one of the most often repeated commands. Too often we humans are afraid of all the wrong things rather than walking in the fear of the Lord, the one fear we really should entertain. But God encouraged Paul directly, and Paul was enabled to keep going in Corinth, preaching and proclaiming the word of God in an incredible, fruitful way. Notice the big major encouragement there. How was it that Paul was going to be enabled to overcome his fear? It's that promise at the very beginning of verse 10. I am with you. I am with you. Lo, I am with you, said Jesus in the Great Commission, even to the end of the world. When we are doing the Jesus mission, when we are on the Jesus mission, we know that he's with us, and that can help us walk in boldness and not fear. Let me close with what is kind of honestly a stinging, but true and needed exhortation from Brother Spurgeon to push all of us towards greater boldness in speaking of Jesus. Spurgeon says, First, brethren, notice the tendency of our weakness. That tendency is revealed in the first command, be not afraid. We feel when we newly find Christ that we must speak about Jesus, and we often do so, but after a while, a foolish fear freezes many a tongue and keeps many a lip silent that ought to be telling the wondrous story of the redeeming love of Jesus. We are not nowadays afraid, as the first Christians might have been, of the amphitheater and the lions, or of Nero and his swords. Happily, we are delivered from almost all open persecution in most countries of the world, but there are other things which evidently frighten a good many. A Christian ought to be afraid to be afraid, for his Lord has said, Whoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Oh, but I'm naturally timid, says one. It is to you, then, that that Lord's word is addressed. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not, says the word. I have heard, and I think I have observed, says Spurgeon, that the bravest men in the hour of need are often timid when thinking about that hour of need. He quotes a poem here. The brave man is not he who feels no fear, for that were stupid and irrational, but he whose noble soul its fear subdues, and bravely dares the danger nature shrinks from. Up, then, ye tremblers, and play the man. In the matter of speaking for Jesus, this should not be a severe ordeal. Oh, do not, I pray you, let timidity so check you that you can't speak a word to your own children, cannot pray with your own daughter, cannot plead as a father with your own boy, cannot speak as a neighbor or a fellow workman to the man who works side by side with you at your job. May God help you to get out of the cold shade of cowardice, for the text says, be not afraid. Amen. Strong challenge, but a needed one. We close with our verse of the month, Acts 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Amen. Well, good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.